Shut up and sit down. Hello, um, I'm Rachel. This is Pete's show. Um, today I'm here with Megan. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Megan. I'm an artist and a writer. Uh, I often write about topics such as sex, sexuality, desire, um, and I was excited to be on the Pete show today. Cool, thank you for coming on. Um, and we're going to be talking about the male gaze shame and how that impacts sex and sexuality. Um, so first of all I wanted to talk a bit about what is the male gaze exactly? Yeah so I guess uh, the male gaze could be described as the lens through which society sees women um, and it, it, it being the prioritised as the main gaze so it's something that's kind of reinforced through media um, and there's this theory about by John Berger in his book Ways of Seeing which describes it as women look at men and men look women men look at women and women look at themselves being looked at so it's this idea that as even as a woman you're you're seeing yourself through the male gaze as well so you kind of look in the mirror and you subconsciously because of all these um because of you know the patriarchy and society you're subconsciously looking in the mirror and you're already thinking about how you're being seen you don't just like see yourself it's just like this lens that kind of goes through everything yeah um i also have a definition of the male gaze in terms of film theory as well um yeah. so this was written by laura mulvey um i've got a little segment explain explaining what it is um in an article by rachel sampson um, so she says that Laura Mulvey is a feminist film theorist from Britain, best known for her essay on visual pleasure and narrative cinema. Her theories are influenced by the likes of Sigmund Freud and Jacques Lepin by using their ideologies as political weapons, whilst also including psychoanalysis and feminism in her works. Mulvey is predominantly known for her theory regarding sexual gratification on women in the media, more commonly known as the male gaze theory. Mulvey states that the gender power asymmetry is controlling force is a controlling force in seminar and constructed for the pleasure of the male viewer, which is deeply rooted in patriarchal ideologies and discourses. This means that the male viewer is the target audience, therefore their needs are met first, and that this problem stems from an old-fashioned male-driven society. A theory on how women are portrayed in film and the media is just as prevalent today as it was in 1975 when her text was first published. Mulvey believes that women are in fact the bearer of meaning and not the maker of meaning, which suggests that women are not placed in a role where they can take control of a scene, instead they are simply put there to be observed from an objectified point of view. Um, in addition, she believes that this way of watching film is never alternated, so that the men are in fact the ones who are being viewed in this manner. Um, this inequality enforces the ancient and outdated idea of men do the looking and women are to be looked at. The male gaze theory, in a nutshell, is where women in the media are viewed from the eyes of a heterosexual man, and then these women and that these women are represented as passive objects of male desire. Audiences are forced to view women from the point of view of a heterosexual male, even if they are heterosexual women or homosexual men. From the feminist perspective, 
This theory can be viewed in three ways. How men look at women, how women look at themselves, and finally, how women look at other women. Typical examples of the male gaze include medium close-up shots of women from over a man's shoulder, shots that pan and fixate on a woman's body, and scenes that frequently occur which show a man actively observing a passive woman. So that's a general gist of what the male gaze is. Um, would you like to add anything else to your own kind of definition of the male gaze or any kind of personal experiences with the male gaze? I think it's interesting because, um, yeah, I think where my interest lies is obviously that's kind of in terms of the media, but in terms of how that just seeps into everyday life. Um, and I, I suppose for myself, um, personally growing up it's it's really confused me in terms of my own desires and sex and sexuality so when I was growing up I kind of I think I prioritized how I looked and how I looked for men um, and I kind of got you get that validation from society mm. so I felt like I got stuck in this cycle where I was acting and behaving and I also thought that they were my desires I kind of assumed them as my own desires um, but actually I just wanted to be looked at by men and I wanted to be desired by men because I was told that's what I should want that makes yeah. sense no I completely get where you're coming from there I think in my personal experience I very much felt uncomfortable with the thought of men looking at me and stuff so I kind of when I was younger I kind of became a bit of a tomboy so I wouldn't be looked at in that way because I was very very uncomfortable with it so I think um in terms of the male gaze it can definitely go either way and I think as I got older when I kind of got passed around like 16 years of age and started dating and stuff I would say then I kind of became more self-conscious of like how men saw me and even though I identify as bisexual I even didn't really consider how women kind of viewed me in that light. I always thought about like how boys saw me in that light and I never really considered that until I was a little bit older and started dating women. And I was like, oh wait, this is actually a lot more pleasant than this kind of constant like concern I have in the back of my mind of what does my boyfriend think of me? It's more just like, oh, I feel so comfortable being myself now. So I think it, um, it definitely impacts different kinds of dynamics and relationships that you have with people. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting what you said about um, the two sides of the coin, because I think, as, as you said, for you, you end up being more tomboyish than perhaps that you actually want to present as. Mm. Um, whereas for me, I kind of almost went the opposite way. And, um, you know, I was trying to be like super girly and super, I, I was really like absorbing those like ideals. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then now it's taken me such a long time to unpick and kind of figure out what what actually is is what how much of like my femininity is for me and how much of it is for the male gaze and it's quite an interesting one because sometimes I like catch myself and I, I it's even now it's like I'm not 100% sure it's like something I'm constantly unlearning and then yeah learning. yeah I can definitely get that same feeling at times it definitely feels quite confusing especially when you kind of discover feminism and you're like wait everything i know is so strange now but yeah <laughs> so i also wanted to discuss um about um where the male gaze might come from so in the definition i read out it kind of maybe comes a little bit from um portrayals in the media how women are um kind of presented and how these are presented um 
how these images are presented in terms of how men see women and in terms of that but where else can the male gaze come from like in even your definition as well um, and why does the male gaze exist exactly yeah so um i suppose it's as you say it's in the media and the kind of the impact of the media is actually so strong and on the you growing up and stuff as well but it's actually just way more entrenched than that as well in terms of maybe things that your parents say to you growing up and just all these little messages that you get from so many different sources whether it be the media friends family um everything about how how the patriarchal society that we're in places you as a woman as an object of desire so i think it's like all of these different things coming together that then really has it has that kind of impact on the subconscious level um yeah yeah definitely because i think you know when you're younger you're maybe told things like oh the boys are going to be after you when you're older um oh you're so gorgeous you're so beautiful that kind of thing and mm. Like, I think going back to the idea of like, I was quite a tomboy when I was younger, when I was told those things, I was like, oh, well, I don't really want to think about that. Like, I was literally so young at the time. I was, what, still going to church. So below the age of like 13 and that. And like, it's, it's quite a lot to kind of take in at the time because you're not really thinking about that. You just kind of want to do your own thing and, you know, whatever. So it does feel weird to kind of present those kinds of ideas to young girls and thinking in terms of like you know boys want to be with you when you're older and that's meant to be like a huge compliment and it's like oh but what about people who are queer people who are maybe trans like how do they react to that kind of thing yeah exactly um i have this really vivid memory um of when i think i first really became aware but i can't remember how old i was i think i might have been about 12 um, and one of my aunties said something to me that's just always stuck in my head. She said something like, oh, um, you need to be careful, like you're pretty, or something like that. And I think I'd never really thought about, I just hadn't really thought about those things in that way. And suddenly I was like, just so aware of, of being seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of makes you feel quite self-conscious in a way. Yeah, um, but it's, yeah, I think it's, in terms of how it impacts on like gender identity, obviously I can only speak as a cis woman, but um, it kind of plays into what I was saying about, about how you perform your femininity, whether you're performing it or whether it is something that is authentic to you. Um, mm -hmm. And I can imagine when you think about those binaries, it must be really difficult with how that plays in as well if you're someone who doesn't identify with that yeah exactly like especially if you're non-binary and you're trying to yeah. see like be comfortable with like how you see yourself outside of all of these kind of feminine masculine in between outside like all of these kinds of ideas that we have like maybe fitting into a more kind of androgynous um you know gender expression perhaps you know how do you then feel about that within yourself yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well in terms of like thinking about just the expectations of the male gaze um, and it being, it is, it is that feminine, it is that hyper femininity. Um, and so that really does, I think in terms of your like tomboy 
aesthetic or whatever you kind of identified with when you're growing up it's like you're told that that's not a desirable aesthetic as well mm. so it really plays in in that way definitely so how can the male gaze um cause sexual shame well i think in terms of my own experience for me it was it, it's so tight it's just it's not just the male gaze i think it's quite hard to separate it out from all the other messages that you get but when you think of yourself um as i did growing up as an object of desire something to be desired i then uh, but then also at the same time getting those messages like from my auntie or other people like be careful don't do this like it's that kind of idea of um you know when people blame like in in sexual assault for example blame the victim because you were doing this like you don't be desirable but be desirable at the same time it's yeah. like this really messy messy thing but yeah so for me it was like i had these those messages of like be careful don't be too desirable but actually also getting receiving praise when i you know got boyfriends or yeah it seemed to be tied into this like popularity thing as well um and then also for me with that when i when i did have sex um it was so much shame around that it was like oh but you're a slut so it's like you couldn't you can't you ha you're supposed to want to be desired but then you don't have that agency over your own desires if that makes sense yeah no i get that i mean um especially in terms of how um perhaps if you were to view pornography at a young age and you see all these kinds of images of women performing sexually for men and they all have these mm. kind of perfect bodies and they have like a very specific type of like vulva and everything and you kind of compare yourself to that and you think oh that's what men want this is how i should perform when i then have sex with someone but then it's kind of a very difficult thing to live up to because one sec you know sex isn't like porn is porn's a fantasy at the end of the day um and you know whilst there's a whole kind of new idea of porn being used for sex education and you know this kind of new idea of creating porn specifically for that if children were well not children but you know adolescents were to stumble across it um they can then find something that is actually representative of what it could represent but currently the majority of what's out there is very much for the male gaze and very much something where women feel the need to be very loud and very kind of wow you're so good at this even if they suck you know so yeah i think it's this whole idea of performing um which is something that i've always explored in my artwork the, the idea of like performing identity and um as you say like you if you if you watch porn it is so through the male gaze that you kind of if you kind of absorb those things i just feel like i was for such a long time was having sex and really performing and also just very conscious of myself and my body in that space and not really actually enjoying it because it was more about as well as it being you're thinking about yourself through the male gaze so how you're being seen but it's also about men's sen men's pleasure being centered yeah yeah definitely um like even like recently i've been reflecting on like sexual experiences i've had like during my time at university and everything i've been thinking wait 
was I doing this because I really, really enjoyed it? Or was I doing like, was I performing in certain ways so someone would respond positively? And so someone would think, oh, I'm doing a good job so I wouldn't hurt their feelings in some kind of way. And in the end of the day, it's kind of like, huh, maybe I should take some time to reflect on this and like see what works for me in like a period of like maybe a short period of celibacy and seeing how that makes me feel and how like I would then go on to have sex after that period of celibacy and see how it then impacts my own personal view on like how I'm having sex with this person, how I might communicate with them, like my desires and what I need. Yeah. I think it's, um, I suppose that that comes in with like boundaries and things as well. And yeah. I think when you're not taught to center your own desire because you're thinking so much about someone else's desire, it is, it's then harder as well to fit in your own boundaries. Yeah. Um, so um how can the male gaze negatively impact men well i think i suppose when you think about um what we talk about with porn as well like it's not it is obviously very damaging for women but it's so damaging for men as well because then they're thinking about they 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 will be thinking about oh i have to perform in a certain way i have to be i suppose it it's like oh, I have to be, I have to be like hyper-masculine or hyper, I don't know. It just, it kind of, it also perpetuates those ideas about men. It's not just, it's not just about how it affects women. It really does affect everybody. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the way it would impact men would be, it could be in terms of maybe, um, how they think women are going to act for them, perhaps sexually, perhaps um, in relationships and stuff, you know, even in terms of like when someone is married, like they might think, oh, well, it's my position to serve my husband. And then the husband thinks, oh, it's their, you know, it's their position to serve me. So therefore they have to serve me sexually. And so, you know, sex is primarily for the man and that causes that puts a pressure on the man to then perhaps initiate sex, perhaps to be in control of things. And perhaps if there's someone who doesn't have like a very high libido, when they're expected to have one, they might feel a bit emasculated in a way where in reality there shouldn't be any shame around that at all. You know, libido can vary person to person and between time period to time period. And there shouldn't be any pressure on that to be a certain way. And even in particular, perhaps, um, gay and bisexual men and bisexual men in particular, if they um, if they feel that they have to act a certain way in a relationship with a woman compared to how they act in a relationship with a man, um, they might feel, oh, perhaps I'm being too feminine in this relationship with a woman, perhaps I should be more masculine in this sense, or perhaps in this relationship with a man I should um, live up to this stereotype of either being um, a feminised gay man or being a very masculine gay man and fitting into this kind of idea of um, taking control and it very much can be quite harmful to how they may view themselves and how they may expect themselves to live up to this expectation that's put forward by the male gaze. Yeah definitely I think you're right in what you're saying in terms of it kind of heightens the gender expectations as well um, mm -hmm. in, in and it's interesting like in not just in the heterosexual heterosexual relationships but in queer relationships too um 
I think actually it's possible for queer women as well to kind of absorb the male gaze and yeah. misogynistic ideas of of kind of gender roles within a relationship as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, we could, you know, it's going to talk a little bit about how the male gaze negatively affects queer women. Like, how else could it negatively affect them? Well, definitely in terms of how they're treated. So, I mean, I'm sure you probably have similar stories, but, you know, going on a date with a woman <laughs> and being being objectified and, and people thinking it's for their pleasure, like if you, if you kiss yeah. a woman in public. And then it's... It's like I had this, I went on this date and first off, so this guy kind of comes up to us, we were in a pub and he's like, um, first off he's like, oh, are you guys friends? And then we just explained that we're on a date and he did it. He just didn't believe us as well. He kind of, it's like one of those things where it's like, he kind of um, thought it was something we were saying to get rid of him. So then he was even more persistent and it's like, no, there's a possibility that actually this isn't about you. It just, do you know what I mean? It kind of centers. Yeah, it's mad sometimes. Because I remember when I was with my ex-girlfriend, if we'd kiss in public, sometimes men would just full on stare at us. It would be like, could you, could you just not do that? We're just two people showing affection towards each other. Can you not make us feel like we're doing this for you in some kind of way? And I feel like in certain ways you feel very self-conscious about it. I think in the past, when I've kind of come out to male partners and I've said, oh, I'm bisexual, sometimes they might think, oh, so we can have a three-way then. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, it, and they kind of assume, oh, if I just get you know, like a female friends that I'm attracted to, you'll immediately want to have a three over with them. And it's like, no, I have to be attracted to them as well. It's, it's, about, it's not just about you, it's about me as well. I'm not doing this for you. So, yeah, there's very much this um, presumption that men have that if you happen to be a queer woman, it's for them, it's for their pleasure. And it's like, no, 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 just, just hold on a minute. It's not all about you. This is actually mostly for me. Don't, don't, don't get involved here. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally, but it's so, like, it's so weird because I think this is also something that I kind of internalised, which is why it's taken me quite a long time, actually, personally, to um, accept my own sexuality because when I was um, at school, I... It's the classic thing where, like, you kind of... You kiss all your girl mates, and I thought it was like this thing. I had this experience where this guy was like, oh, I'll give you a free beer if you kiss kiss your mate and it didn't just go on in front of guys but in my head it was like oh I only enjoy this because guys think it's sexy which is like a really damaging thought but for me I was justifying my kind of enjoyment from like kissing other girls in that way like that was like oh that was kind of like an excuse for me as well it was really strange um but it took me such a long time to unpick that and be like actually no it's not even about them like what what do I actually want um 
Yeah, 100%. I think, like, again, I almost went in the opposite direction where I was like, oh, no, I'm too scared to do anything with girls in case, like, people think I'm doing it for attention or in case people Mm -hmm. think that I'm faking it in some kind of way. When I knew deep down inside that it wasn't anything to do with that, I mostly just thought Mm -hmm. girls were really, really cool. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I'd like to date one. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, especially um, even in terms of, like, oh, what if girls think I look at the way that some boys might look at them, like, sexually objectify them. So I found myself kind of feeling very self-conscious about when I came out and stuff. I was worried, oh, do my friends think I'm going to try and come on to them now when I didn't really view them in that way because I'd established a friendship with them. It was like, oh, I'd only really see you as a friend now. But I kind of had that concern inside of me that I'd internalised where I was like, oh, no, like, what if they think that I'm going to be like a leery guy or something? I'm not like that. Please, please. No, I'm merely a, a, a small bisexual girl. Leave me alone. <laughs> I literally, I totally relate to that. And I've also had guys kind of, since I came out, like, um, friends, like boyfriends or like guys kind of trying to bond with me through like objectifying women. Yeah. And I, like, I look at them, I'm like, sorry no like this guy's like oh do you look at this like do you look at girls on the street and like and I'm like no I don't (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah no yeah it's yeah it's weird when people think oh do you look at like do you look at girls on the street and do you think oh I'd shag her and I'm like no I just look at her and I think oh she's really pretty but like that's probably the extent of it you know I think also in terms of like films and stuff um Mm -hmm. I think I justified all my kind of, I think I literally did minimise all my crushes as like girls, girl crushes. Yeah. I had this girl crush Pinterest board. And when you see films through the male gaze, you're supposed to like, women are are kind of supposed to be desirable in the films, you know what I mean? But through a male lens. And it's like, oh, I just kind of assumed in my head that, that was the reason and I just kind of thought oh but everyone thinks everyone thinks women are attractive and yeah I just kind of trivialized it in my head in that way as well yeah it's the classic dilemma of do I want to sleep with her or do I just want to be her kind of dilemma (laughs) where it's like oh I remember for ages when I was younger I was obsessed with like Scarlett Johansson the um, as Black Widow in the Avengers films and I was like man she's so cool like I want to cosplay as her and stuff and now I'm like wait you big gay you just wanted to kiss her literally Scarlett Johansson was on my board as well <laughs> I love her my favourite actress famous for playing trees <laughs> Classic, classic ScarJo. So how does the male gaze negatively impact trans and non-binary folk? Well, I think I, I was listening to a podcast the other day with um, Laverne Cox. Mm. It was on um, Brene Brown's rec- um, new podcast. And I think they were talking about kind of trans misogyny. And I think the idea that it's this it's like it's this like um hyper feminine thing again as well yeah that's some people are kind of have the like the it means that some people have the opinion that you're not valid as a trans person unless you're hyper feminine Mm -hmm. and that's obviously a really damaging thing 
um, because you don't have to be, you don't have to present as hyper-feminine, but also if you want to, you should be able to. And it's this idea as well of like performing, performing identity and like trans, trans women shouldn't have to perform femininity if they don't, if they don't want to, or a non-binary person like shouldn't have to perform that. Yeah, like it's kind of the um, the kind of slang terms of like fish and brick, where like women, like trans women who like present very well um, as women, as like you know present very well as women, are considered fish, and then trans women who don't present like don't present as well as women are considered bricks. And then there's kind of like this kind of social hierarchy of like, oh, I am like a better trans woman because I look more hyper feminine, I look more like a woman, and it's it's definitely kind of comes from that idea of the male gaze of being like, Oh, well, because I'm very much fitting into this ideal here. Therefore I'm, I can call myself a woman. I can call myself a trans woman and therefore people will accept me as that because I look like one. Whereas if yeah. um, you don't really fit into that ideal, people kind of look at you and go, are you, are you kind of like sure this is for you? Like you kind of seem a bit like not quite, like you haven't really quite found your thing yet. It's really patronizing and everything. Yeah, it's so patronizing. It's almost as if like you can't, you're not allowed to identify as a woman if you're not like the kind of male gaze version of a woman. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. It's, it's not like, it's, that's not what women is anyway, but it's, it's taking that to the extremes probably, um, for trans people, I think, in terms of how people accept or don't accept them. And I also think in terms of like pitting, like within the community as well, I've heard um, trans people speak about this um, in podcasts as well, but about how it kind of pits, they end up pitting themselves against each other as well within mm -hmm. that. So um, it's just so damaging. Definitely, yeah, and um, even in terms of we consider um, people who detransition, a lot of people who detransition later realise that they identify as maybe non-binary or genderqueer, and it's definitely that, it could be that idea of like, oh, I want to fit somewhere in the gender binary because that makes sense, like, it's kind of the discussion, like, that's still kind of around now, but more a few years ago, oh, you're either gay or you're straight, you can't be, like, bisexual, like, in between, or pansexual, like, someone who's, like, has attraction to more than one person you have to pick one or the other it's like that the gender spectrum that you have to pick male or female anything in between nah that's silly you can't really be that it doesn't really exist it's very patronizing it's like look just let people do what they want to do if someone says they're this thing believe them you know don't don't be a dick about it like come on <laughs> literally and it's it's actually like i keep like laying i keep just like thinking about it in terms of the binary is so new like yeah. in the scheme of like humanity, the binary is so new and it's actually ridiculous when you think about the millions of people that are born. The idea that everyone would fit into either one thing or another is actually just Crazy. like bizarre. Yeah. When you think about it, it's like everyone is so different and it's not even just one thing or the other, it's like a very strict expectations within that of like what a woman is, what a man is. And it's just so damaging to, it's just so damaging to everybody because there's no room and actually it just doesn't make any sense when you really think about it. 
It really doesn't. Like when you sit there and you think about these things, you're like, yeah, of course not, not everyone would fit into these two like separate groups. Like why would they? Like there's 7 billion people on the planet. That's madness. And yeah. it's, um, it's basically like I was reading Minds the Gap by Dr. Karen Gurney. And in that she's basically like, look, we have the labels male and female because it just makes scientific studies and all of that kind of stuff a lot easier. It's, me it's mostly out of convenience. It doesn't mean that those are the only two things you could be in terms of sex or gender. You know, there's so much more out there. There's intersex people, there's non-binary, there's, like, there's so much more to it. So much more. Yeah, exactly, and it's just it, it's just mad that there is the binary at all, I think, really. Yeah, it's, it's madness. How can the male gaze be challenged, both on an individual level and on a wider societal level? Well, I think on an individual level, it's, it's a lot of kind of self-questioning, um, Kind of self like looking inwards and catching yourself and catching how you've internalized these thoughts i think for me like it's this is it's just it's sometimes for me it's just been like trying stuff out as well um like i've over lockdown for example have grown out my armpit hair and it's like oh let me just try this to see if this is actually something that i'm doing because um, like as in shaving, see if this is something I'm doing just because I feel like I should or do I actually like having armpit hair mm. and so it's kind of sometimes asking yourself those questions and maybe trying out different things and yeah as, as well like trying out maybe like thinking about your aesthetic for me as well like it's been it's it's strange like I've stopped dressing quite as feminine as I used to just because I've been questioning those things in my mind but that's kind of on the personal level obviously I don't know what your personal experience is with that I think for me it's definitely something that's kind of been like a years long process because I like heard about the male gaze when I was like back on my tumblr days when I was like 14 15 and I was like oh that makes a lot of sense like that makes sense why I haven't been comfortable with like feminine things and like why I kind of feel a bit uncomfortable with the thought of like guys looking at me and stuff and all of that kind of thing. So I think for me, it's very much been kind of like, how has it impacted um, the way I present my femininity? I've definitely become a lot more feminine um, over the past like three to four years, I'd say. Um, and then me kind of being like, okay, I feel comfortable doing this for me. I feel like I'm not doing it for other people. It's something that I actually want to present myself as now. And also thinking in terms of like, how um, do I feel dating women? Do I feel a bit like um, men are watching me and kind of like looking at this and going, oh yeah, that's like really good for me to see. And it's like, mm, please don't, please don't do that to me. Um, so yeah I think on a personal level it's definitely kind of considering my aesthetic and considering my own um queerness and stuff yeah that definitely for me as well in terms of my kind of queerness and sexuality um and for me I yeah I I went from kind of thinking I was straight <laughs> for quite a long time um to I don't I don't really like label myself now I, I label myself as queer if anything um but actually over kind of time and experience realizing that 
I probably am more attracted to women than I am to men. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it is, it's, it's a process of asking yourself lots of questions and trying to be really honest with yourself about it as well. Yeah. And also being kind to yourself in the process because yeah, <laughs> they're just going to, things are just going to come up and, you know, I, I find myself, I go out sometimes, I'm like, Oh, why, why did I feel, why did I feel uncomfortable there? And I realized it's because I was, conscious about how it's being looked at and stuff like that and yeah it's um I think also there's an element of like not being too self-critical of yourself or like conforming to these standards not being like oh I'm such an idiot for like falling into this trap of like trying to look good for men or like trying to finish this certain like gender binary or like gender stereotype and it's like listen everyone's conditioned to fit into these expectations just because it's more convenient okay like don't don't be mad at yourself for this just be like okay well yeah I've done this for a long time but like it's understandable why I did that so maybe if I just kind of take some time to reflect think about what works for me experiment a little bit you know it's it's all chill I think um Florence Gibbon made a really important point in her book that I read recently um women don't know you pretty but also not judging other women for if they want to, you know, if they want to have surgery or if they want to be hyper-feminine, because it's easier, like, of course, in an ideal world, you wouldn't live in a society mm. where, you know, women feel the need to change their bodies. But it, the reality is, is that it's easier to walk, through, to live in this world when you are deemed as kind of desirable to men, which is not right, but you shouldn't kind of be judging other women for yeah yeah it's definitely an easy trap to fall into to be like oh well I don't you know I'm very happy being natural and like I don't wear makeup I don't you know I haven't got any surgery or anything and kind of think oh I'm superior because I'm a natural woman and it's like no 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 no. hang on a minute like you're not above other people just because you haven't done these things or you're not above a woman because you perceive yourself as more attractive than someone else or you're not below someone else because you see yourself as less attractive as them it doesn't work like that like everyone's on equal footing here don't kind of put people down and all that kind of thing like it's it's not it's not a competition here and it, that's another thing that the male gaze creates it's competition between women so we don't want that yeah so definitely don't want that no Yeah, um, thank you to Megan for coming on the podcast, podcast slash IT, IGTV um, thing. And um, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. No worries. Bye. Shut up and sit down.